Tennessee did a lot of good things against Kentucky Saturday night. I found out some more good things upon rewatch that told the tale of Tennessee taking down Kentucky 6-2 and two for the second time since Philip Fulmer was head coach at Tennessee entering the month of November. That's a whole lot more here on a Monday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kane or on Twitter, at Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here, following along, and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. That's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you guys get it. I can't thank you guys enough. Shout out every day, or as you know, your time's tomorrow. So go ahead and send in those Twitter Tuesday questions for tomorrow's mailbag show. Uh, DMs, tweets, and of course, uh, on the uh, YouTube page that is available here uh, today. I'm going to let you guys know some of my notes from the rewatch. Went back and watched that football game again. Took some notes and uh, some of my uh, things that I picked up on the second time through. Scoring plays, courtesy of the Ball Radio Networks in segment number two. And then stats and canter grades, all that and more as we recap a Tennessee 33-27 win over Kentucky. Yeah, again, um, you know, the, the defense was, you know, soft coverage in the back end, right? The pass rush was non-existent. At points in times, you uh, needed to finish in the red zone. Obviously, still one for four back-to-back weeks where Tennessee's one for four in the red zone and scoring touchdowns. But Tennessee goes on the road and wins a true road game for the first time this season. Uh, Tennessee goes on there and gets a great performance from your quarterback and Joe Milton. Tennessee ran the football really well, got back to business. So there were a lot of good things, and at the end of the day, you beat Kentucky. Um, you have a history of beating Kentucky, and you continue that tradition, and you improve to 3-2 and two in Southeastern Conference play. My first big takeaway kind of is the... I mean, Joe Milton played really well. Um, I don't think he was asked to do an awful lot in the first half. Uh, I think that's a lot of dinks and dunks and here and there. I mean, midway through the second quarter, maybe late, maybe the beginning of the second quarter, I think he was like, you know, four for four or five for five for 26 yards. And then he had that long 39-yard touchdown pass to Chaz Nimrod, and that kind of bumped up the stats to about 65, 70 passing yards. And then, of course, he threw as the game went on. But especially to begin this football game, didn't think that – the coaching staff really asked Josh or asked Joe Milton to do an awful lot. Um, I was I was a little curious why you didn't take a shot to the end zone. Josh Hopple kind of explained that uh, right before the half. Josh Hopple kind of explained that in post game, saying you had to get three points. You had to get three points. I can respect that. Um, with as crazy as the clock operator was at that in that football game, I get it. Um, to show you exactly how crazy it was. <laughs> You had uh, seven seconds on the clock, which should have been nine. Josh Hopple thought that they were going to have nine seconds. And if nine seconds was on the clock, then he probably would have taken a shot because he still had a timeout. But nonetheless, there were seven seconds on the clock. And when I went back and re- and I noticed it in real time because I knew there were seven seconds. And then after the kick, I saw there's five seconds. And I, how in the world, how in the world can there only be two seconds that ticked off that clock for that field goal? Um, I went back and watched it in uh, the, the tape on Sunday. And they literally don't start the clock until the ball is through the uprights. It's the damnedest thing. I mean, it's it's so it's so weird. Literally, snap, hold, kick, up, 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 through the uprights, clock starts, clock stops. I mean, goodness gracious. But anyway, I can respect that. Um, but overall, I thought it was a very vanilla passing game call in the first half. And then I thought you took some more shots as the game went on. I thought um, you know, Joe Milton, of course, he had a wide open Chaz Nimrod. That was a his longest pass play of the day, um, in terms of through the air, um, he had a, an off, you know, an off 
platform throw where he was rolling to his left, squared his shoulders, threw across his body to the middle of the field, got Dante Thornton. He had a 47-yard gain. I thought that was his best throw of the day. Uh, Joe Milton was really good out of the pocket. Joe Milton, um, uh, again, he's not Peyton Manning, but you can win a whole lot of football games with this Joe Milton. He did a great job. And again, I know there's a lot of you guys out there, and I'm not saying that he's winning the Heisman. I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning. I'm not saying he's been mistake-free this year. Certainly, he made some mistakes. But even the the harshest Joe Milton critics out there, it's hard to find something wrong, a lot of things wrong with Joe Milton's performance Saturday night. Again, I don't think he was asked to do an awful lot, but with what he was, I thought he performed well, threw well off-platform, threw well on the run, and uh, was a really nice one-two punch with that running game. You know, hello, old friend. That's kind of how I phrase it at VolQuest.com on my Sunday column. Tennessee struggled to run the football on the road. Tennessee only had 100 yards rushing at Florida. Tennessee had only 100 and I think 35 yards rushing at Alabama, but you take away those Joe Milton runs and you're well below the century mark. Uh, Tennessee was off and running, no pun intended, with Jalen Rod on the first series. 52-yard touchdown. We'll hear that call courtesy of the Vol Radio Network here in a moment. Um, he was really good. Got a little hampered up as the game went on, but then that's when Dylan Sampson came in and they rode Dylan Sampson in the last little bit in the fourth quarter. He was incredible. Again, uh, finishing off Jalen Wright, Jalen Wright had 120 yards on 11 carries. He was phenomenal, averaging about 11 yards per carry. But Dylan Sampson, in that fourth quarter, um, he was really, really good. The last scoring drive of the football game for Tennessee, Sampson touched the football eight times on that 13-play drive that spanned 80 yards. There was a critical third and 10. Great, great cut block from John Campbell. It's illegal. Great cut block from John Campbell, getting the defensive ends hands down, Milton recognizes it, throws it to Sampson, and he converts that first down. Tennessee goes on to score a touchdown. He scores two plays later. Uh, I, I just thought that was a really, really nice sequence of events. So Dylan Sampson, the effort, Utah pass, bouncing out and getting a first down. I mean, the second effort, the strain, I thought was really, really good. So really impressed with the way Jalen Wright ran the football, Dylan Sampson, Jabari Small. I mean, he had nine carries, 32 yards. He, he had a fine day as well. And then shout-out to that offensive line that – you know, lost uh, John Campbell for points and times of this game. Andre Carrick didn't start the football game, came in for one series, played five snaps, and unfortunately was injured. Uh, but they kept saying on the broadcast when I rewatched it, like, oh, lost two starters on the left side of the offensive line. No, Ollie Lane was the starter. Ollie Lane played 60-plus snaps or 55-plus snaps. But shout-out to the offensive line. Weren't perfect, uh, but uh, job well done getting that run game back to where it needs to be. Um, another big takeaway, and of course, I didn't need to see this from the rewatch, but the defensive lines had a rough six quarters. Only one sack, four TFLs in this football game. Um, only one official QB hurry. I think that's fabricated because there was plenty of plays where I thought Leary, not plenty, but there were a couple of plays where I thought Leary was affected by the pressure. But Tennessee did not live on the other side of the line of scrimmage like it normally does. Josh Hoppel was asked, you know, why is that post-game? He had another long silence indicating that Kentucky was holding the crap out of Tennessee, and they were appointed times, but at the end of the day, you got to find a way to, to beat that, right? Um, and, and James Pierce had one batted ball down. Uh, Tyler Barron and, and Omar Norman Locke, you know, met in the backfield for a sack, the only sack of the day. But because Tennessee's front four were not getting to Leary, Leary was sitting back there and looking like Spencer Rattler last year. I mean, we make jokes since the game, like all, all your offseason talk about Devin Leary came true. All you need is a Tennessee defense, right? Look at Spencer Rattler last year. <laughs> Look at backup quarterbacks for Florida over the years. Look at Devin Leary last night. Um, sure, Tennessee's front four were not getting to Devin Leary, meaning the back end was exposed. But even some of those times played really well in the back end, and Leary was just threading the daggum needle. Leary was Leary had himself a ball game. 
there were a couple of throws that were perfectly defended and just nothing you can do about it. So uh, sometimes you just have to say hats off, but that that didn't beat you. And that's a good job for Tennessee because you shut down Ray Davis. You tried to make Devin Leary beat you, and he had a heck of a game, but he didn't beat you. Good job on Tennessee making Kentucky completely, completely, completely one-dimensional. Um, and and it, it's really good to be a well-rounded football team. The defense didn't have its best day. Special teams was great. Four for four kicking field goals. Need to finish in the red zone, but four for four kicking field goals. Jackson uh, Ross continues to be a weapon, man. And Josh Turbinville, eight kickoffs, seven touchbacks. Again, good teams find ways to win. And, and Tennessee's finding different ways to win um, you know, these football games as the year goes on. So six and two for the first for the second time since Philip Former was head coach. First time was last year. It's this year. You're going to get a homecoming win this weekend against UConn, then go to Missouri on the road uh, for a, uh, a another game in order to try to get to 8-2 and two before coming back home uh, to face Georgia. Uh, when we come back, we will take a look at some scoring plays courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. I do want to tell you about our friends, Athletic Brewing Company. All right? Um Athletic Brewing Company, it's time for your Game Changer of the Week. It's brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, much like Dylan Sampson. Again, fourth quarter, he was dynamic. He ran with strain. He ran with great effort. Uh, found his way to the end zone to score Tennessee's last touchdown. But, uh, man, you're talking about riding the hot hand. That's what Tennessee did with Dylan Sampson. Uh, but just like Dylan Sampson, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the game with non-alcoholic beer. Uh, their non-alcoholic beers really taste good, and uh, they're, they're a really, really cool alternative uh, to that of the opposite. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the game. Again, like I said, great tasting, award-winning, and they beat out a full-strength beers in global competitions. The, they brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden, Sours, and more. Plus, they're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity even more enjoyable, like watching the big game, Tennessee on Saturdays, or maybe watching your kids' Little League game, tackling some work, maybe working out, Athletic Brewing Company again, fit for all times. Plus, no hangovers ever. No hangovers ever. I encourage you to go check out Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at athleticbrewingcompany.com. First-time customers, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, or excuse me, LOCKEDON, that's LOCKEDON, to get 15% off your first order. Uh, near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company is fit for all times. And again, uh, big thanks to Athletic Brewing Company. Also, big thanks to eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and leveled up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money is back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Want to welcome you back into this Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Don't forget, Twitter Tuesday, X Tuesday. That's coming up tomorrow. So any questions, any comments about the game, any concerns leaving the game, um, questions about recruiting. Basketball was an exhibition play. I got a big win over Michigan State yesterday. Um, any questions you guys have, fill up those comments section on the YouTube channel at underscore Kane or at Lockdown Vols. 
I can't thank you enough. Shout out everydayers for making that happen. We are recapping, reacting, continuing uh, to uh, Tennessee's win over Kentucky, 33-27. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go check back the instant reaction pod from uh, middle of the night on uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, of course, what instant it was when I got home from covering the game, but uh, some raw um, emotions and, and thoughts following that Tennessee win over Kentucky. All right, as I do every single Monday, I want to play some calls courtesy of the Ball Radio Network. I have written and verbal permission to play these calls here on Locked On Balls, and uh, let's get to it. Tennessee didn't take long whatsoever. Uh, you, you kicked, you deferred, you kicked off, okay, and um, or actually no, Tennessee received, yeah. Tennessee received the opening kickoff. Yep, that's how it went. Tennessee received the opening kickoff. No, Tennessee kicked. Anyway, who gives a crap? I I have not slept much since Saturday night. Anyway, um, Tennessee um, makes a stop and then gets the football back and uh, marches down the field, and Jalen Wright cashes in from 52 yards, capping a five-play, 70-yard drive that went only a minute and 48. Yeah, Tennessee definitely didn't receive the opening kickoff. A minute 48 to get seven to nothing on the board, a 52-yard run from Jalen Wright, and here's how it sounded, courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. Second down and three. Handoff, tailback, finding some running room, making a cut, getting to the 40, getting to the 30. It's a foot race to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, all the way for a Tennessee touchdown. Jalen Wright, 52 yards. It was a really, really beautiful play. You had the right tackle, Gerald Mincy, blocked down. As Tennessee does so much, they'll pull a guard or a tackle this time. It was left guard, Ollie Lane, pulling over, kicking out that end man on the line of scrimmage, creating like a cutback, if you will. And the guy came up field, and he he got in front of him and right, creating a crease lane. And then it was all Jalen Wright. Got to the second level, you know, got outside, broke a tackle, and then uh, was able to outlast that run into the end zone. And uh, for a team that struggled to run on the road, at Alabama the week before, already a 52-yard touchdown run on the opening drive. It was off to a good start. Well, uh, less than five, little over five minutes, a le- uh, uh, little over five minutes in game time later, Tennessee's on the board yet again. It is John Campbell, a 44-yard field goal, capping a 3:04-minute drive of let's see here, six plays of eight yards. Yeah. That doesn't really make sense, but six plays of eight yards and Tennessee goes up 10 to nothing. So Tennessee led 10 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. You go to the second quarter and Kentucky gets on the scoreboard. Alex Rayner, the field goal kicker, made a seventh field goal attempt of the season and seven tries, making it 10 to three, broke some kind of start to a school record or whatever. But Tennessee answered back uh, just a couple minutes later. Charles Campbell again, another field goal, this one from 49 yards. This play, this, this field goal capped. A three-minute, 38-scoring drive of 10 plays, 44 yards, and Tennessee goes up 13-3. to Well, Kentucky scores a touchdown following that one about four minutes later, and it is Barry on Brown's 11-yard pass from Devin Leary into the front corner of the end zone. Again, it was kind of a, not necessarily a rub route, but it was man coverage, and McDonald kind of got his eyes caught in the backfield a little bit with two verts going in him, and he was slow to get over to Barry on Brown, and it's just that slight second. It was a beautifully placed football from Devin Leary, and um, it was a touchdown for Kentucky. So that made the score 13 to 10. Then Tennessee answers right back less than about a minute and 15 seconds later. It is a five play 75 yard drive cap with a 39 yard reception to a wide open Chaz Nimrod from Joe Milton. What a throw and what a catch to make it a score of 20 to 10 in favor of Tennessee. Play fake, back to throw, lobs it for the end zone, wide open. Tennessee touchdown. Great catch this time by Chaz Nimrod. The Kentucky defender 
fell down, and Nimrod was wide open, and Joe Milton laid a perfect strike, left it up high and long, and Nimrod able to run underneath it for the touchdown. Again, that made it 20 to 10 in favor of Tennessee with 616 left in the second quarter. And a lot of people say, well, it was wide open, wide open. Well, first and foremost, Chez Nimrod beat the quarterback off the line of scrimmage, flat out beat him. And then maybe the quarterback in the midst of turning and trying to trail him and run. I mean, he got sniped. He just tripped, completely tripped the, the turf monster, the sniper, whatever you want to call it, completely tripped. But he was already beat. He did not get beat because he was tripped. He got beat um, because he was just beat off the line of scrimmage by Chaz Nimrod. So, again, wide open. You're just sitting in that press box. Me and me and uh, my coworkers are like, is he going to catch it? Is he going to catch it? So Tennessee led 20-10 to 10, uh, at that point in the game. Ray Davis finds his way into the end zone for the second touchdown of the day for Kentucky with just under two minutes left, capping a 10-play, 75-yard drive that lasted four minutes and 30 seconds. It was a little bit of an end-around. Yes, Warren Burrell got held like a mofo on this play, but it was first and goal, and the way they were moving the football, they were going to score at some point in time. That made it 20-17, to 17, but then Tennessee trying to figure it out, you know, touchback, gets it, run the football, run the football. And once you get that first first down, they're like, okay. But really what changed this drive right before the half was the Ramel Keaton catch over on the sideline. I got to be honest with you, that was not a catch. It was not a catch. After watching review, it was not a catch whatsoever. But because they said that it was a catch on the field, I don't think that they could see anything that could, um, you know, conclusive evidence to overturn that call. So, like, if it was ruled not a catch on the field, I don't think that they could have overturned that either. I cannot believe they called that a catch on the field because it was not a catch. But anyway, hey, for Tennessee, you will take that for sure. And then, uh, you know, moseying on down the field, seven seconds, you kick the field goal, and Tennessee gets some points at the end of the first half and goes into the halftime break, leading by a score of 23-17. to uh, 17. Tennessee comes out in the uh, third quarter, kicks a field goal with Charles Charles Campbell again. This is his fourth field goal of the day, capping an eight-play, 49-yard drive, 340 off the clock. Tennessee's up 26-17. to 17. It's Dane Key, who had a really nice day for Kentucky, along with Devin Leary, a seven-yard touchdown pass from Devin Leary to make it 33, or excuse me, to make it 26-24. to 26-24, a little too close for comfort. And then on the last scoring drive of the day for Tennessee in that fourth quarter, it's the drive I mentioned already, Dylan Sampson, 13-play drive. They give it to him eight times. He has eight touches. Um, had that really huge, huge third-down conversion on that nice block from John Campbell. A couple plays later, he scoots in from 12 yards out to make it 33-24, make it another two-possession game. And here's how it sounded, courtesy of the Ball Radio Network. First down, Milton. Hands the ball to Sampson. Sampson to the five. Breaks a tackle into the end zone. Touchdown, Tennessee. Dylan Sampson with two back-to-back big plays, and that time he rushes it in from 12 yards for a touchdown, and Sampson now gives Tennessee a 32-24 advantage. And then it was a two-possession game, right? Well, Kentucky comes back just over four minutes left. It's third down. Tennessee makes a stop. They kick a field goal to make it 33-27. Kicking the football back to Tennessee, they need a stop, can't get it. Tennessee gets fortunate as well with a a defensive – Injury with a 10-second runoff, and that is how that would end. Tennessee holds on and wins 33-27. to Again, I thought that they should have taken a shot to the end zone there and tried to get some points uh, right before the half, tried to get a touchdown right before the half. I mean, you were on the 16-yard line, but the way the clock operator was working right there, I don't blame Heupel. And, uh, you know, at the end, it came back to, I mean, you needed that. That was why it was a, that field goal was why it was a two-possession game in the fourth quarter. So every point matters in a game, especially like this. 
Uh, big shout out to uh, the Vol Radio Network for letting me uh, play their calls. That was Bob Kessling on the call alongside Pat Ryan and Brent Hubbs. So, scoring plays. What about those stats? Kaner grades, all that and more. That's coming up next as we continue on here on a Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Do you want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks? Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including some pros and some sharks, you pick more than or less than your two to six player stat projections and prize picks matches the winnings. You watch it roll in. I've had so much fun this football season, uh, winning up to 25 times my money this football year. Uh, again, it's super, super easy. You can go to two to six players. They're going to give you a total. All you have to do is say on that total, is that player going to exceed or not? More or less. It's like playing the totals right there. And plus, they offer some protection as well. With prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football games, top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an in- with an injury insurance policy. Uh, players, and um, you, you can check it all out at pricepicks.com. Go to pricepicks.com slash college. That's pricepicks.com slash college. Promo code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, if I put in 50, they're going to match me 50, up to 100. Nobody else is doing that like Price Picks. PricePicks.com slash college. Again, good teams find ways to win football games. And, uh, you know, against Texas A&M, Tennessee's defense was so good. Tennessee's special teams was so good. Tennessee's run game was so good. And the passing game, where Joe Milton completed 50% of his passes for 100 yards, was not very good. But Tennessee found a way to win against a really scrappy defense. On the road at Kentucky, your offense picked up your defense's back. Your offense that has won, has won you so many games over the last two seasons won a game, won a football game for your defense that's been pretty stingy uh, throughout this entire year. And so that was really, really good to see. Uh, in this uh, final segment here on a Monday, as we continue to react to Tennessee's 33-27 to win over Kentucky, we'll take a look at the stat sheet and I'll give out some Caner grades. Uh, total yards of offense, 481 for Tennessee, 444 for Kentucky, 68 plays to 63 plays in favor of Tennessee. Both of these teams average 7 yards per play, 7.1 yards per play for Tennessee, 7 yards even for Kentucky. Penalties, 4 penalties, 21 yards for Kentucky, 8 penalties, 55 yards for Tennessee. Uh, the passing game, again, Joe Milton was really solid. He did he did exactly what he was asked to do and more. Uh, making a lot of really nice off-platform throws, 288 yards through the air, 18 to 21, averaging 10.9 yards per completion, or uh, 12.7 yards per completion on 10.9 yards per attempt. And for Kentucky, Devin Leary, 372 yards, easily his best game uh, in blue at Kentucky. Rushing yards, Tennessee, 253 now is continuing to lead the SEC with 221 yards of rushing uh, per game. A 253-yard effort against Kentucky. Mind you, that was really, really good in the SEC. 95 yards on average per game is what it was giving up on the ground. Tennessee busted that for 253. Oh, yeah, and Tennessee's rush defense, pretty good. Pretty good. We're talking about the defense, you know, having a step back yesterday. Well, really, it was the pass rush in the secondary. That rush defense for Tennessee, still pretty good. 72 yards, all that Kentucky could muster on the ground um, in this football game. 
again, uh, third down conversion, six of 13 for Tennessee, five of 11. There were three critical third down conversions that Kentucky got in the uh, first half that kept these long sustaining drives alive. Jordan Dingle had a couple of those uh, tied in for Kentucky. He had a pretty good game after only having seven receptions on the year entering the game. Uh, but five for 11 overall for Kentucky in that first half. Again, we talk about red zone. Tennessee, four for four red zone chances, but only one for four in scoring touchdowns. Other ones were three field goals. Tennessee has got to beat teams by scoring points, by scoring touchdowns and not field goals. You're not going to beat Georgia by kicking field goals. You might not win on the road at Missouri by kicking field goals. You've got to get into the end zone. Saw a little bit of a, a little bit of a flare there. Saw some creativity. There was one red zone play that didn't go anywhere, but uh, you had a tight end in the backfield and Jacob Warren, and you had Jalen Wright uh, in the slot. They put him in motion, and then they tried to run a quarterback counter, and it just it didn't go anywhere. But at least you're trying to be creative there because it's not working. But anyway, one for four touchdowns in the red zone. In the last two weeks, in eight red zone trips, Tennessee has only scored two touchdowns. Tennessee's not a very good touchdown scoring team in the red zone this year. Meanwhile, Kentucky was five for five, three touchdowns in five red zone trips. Uh, let's look at some individual stats, shall we? As we mentioned, Joe Milton, 86% passing. He only was incomplete on three times. Now, I'll save that for a moment whenever I get to his grade, but 18 to 21, 228 and a touchdown. He was sacked twice. Jalen Wright, 11 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. Didn't play the entire fourth quarter. Minor injury. Think he's going to be okay from everybody I've talked to. He was standing there with his helmet. Looked like he was fine uh, during the game. 10.9 yards per carry. That is really good. Again, Dylan Sampson, strong fourth quarter, 75 yards off 17 carries. He had a touchdown. Jabari Small, 32 yards off nine carries. Joe Milton, 42 yards gained off 10 carries. Thought he, again, did, did really, really well in the run game. Um, these receivers had a good day. Dante Thornton started, bumped out outside, and less traffic, you know, less bodies flying around. Maybe that'll help him. He had a good day. Dante Thornton, three receptions off three targets, 63 yards. Squirrel wide again, five receptions off seven targets, 47 yards. Dylan Sampson, four catches out of the backfield on four targets, 39 yards. That one being huge on third down. Romel Keaton, three catches, four targets, 30 yards. The receivers had had themselves today. And, oh, yeah, Chaz Nemrod caught his only target of 39 yards down the far sideline for a tutty, for a touchdown. Jackson Ross, pair of punts, averaging um, 40 yards a punt. Charles Campbell, 4 of 4 on field goals. And, and again, Tennessee defense, really good against Ray Davis. Um, the touchdown leader in the SEC, 13 total touchdowns coming into the game. He was held to one touchdown, 16 carries, and 42 yards overall. Tennessee's defense did a great job. Devin Leary, though, he had himself a day, but he did not beat you. 72% through the air, 28 of 39, 372 yards, two touchdowns. And his go-to guy on the night was Dane Key, 113 yards off seven receptions and a touchdown. Anyway, um... Again, he didn't beat you. Tennessee, the game plan was to have Devin Leary beat you. He almost did, but he didn't. <laughs> and then uh, as we get into our grades, and we'll start with the quarterback grade, Joe Mellon gets an A. Again, I thought that, um, again, I, I didn't think the game plan was super aggressive through the air in the first half. It changed as the game went on, but he was doing everything that was asked. He was super accurate with the football. He was not putting the football in harm's way. The first game in SEC play where he hasn't had a turnover, and he's not been super turnover prone, but in SEC play, he has turned the ball over at least one time in every game. This is the first one he didn't, so that was obviously great. Um, he gets an A. I thought he was really, really good. Again, he's not Peyton. Um, he's not Hinton Hooker the last couple of years, 
But that's a Joe Milton you can win a lot of football games with. The way he runs the football, gets a little contact early on. I think that kind of gets him going. The juice is flowing. Thought he put precise footballs through the air. He had three passes that were incomplete on the night. Two of them, if we're, if we're nitpicking here, it's football play, but two of them, if we're nitpicking here, could have been pass interference. Uh, the first one was Dermell Keaton, a bomb down that far sideline where it looked like the defensive back tripped him. Um, you know, that was one incompletion when you're taking a shot. Uh, another incompletion was a squirrel wide after Milton was pressured up the middle. He moved to his left and he, he got rid of the ball. Surprisingly, I'm not sure how we got rid of the ball. We got rid of the ball, missed squirrel wide high. The last one was a squirrel wide into the back of the end zone where again, there was some contact there with the cornerback, but you know, to me, it's just a football play. But I mean, if we're really nitpicking, maybe that flag could have been tossed on two of those, but those are his only two, his only three incompletions on the night. He's been criticized for not throwing on the run. He's been criticized for not throwing well out of the pocket. Well, Joe Milton was really good in that regard uh, against uh, Kentucky. So just a couple that I, the three that jumped out to me that I made note of, he connected with uh, Squirrel White, rolling to his right to get into field goal range right before the half. That was huge. Just inside the third quarter, this is best throw of the night. He, rolled, he got pressure up the middle. He sidestepped it to the left. Got his shoulder square, threw across the middle to Dante Thornton, takes off for 49 yards. What a play. That was a heck of a football play. And then the last one that kind of uh, stood out to me was uh, he sidestep pressure again up the middle and threw to Thornton for uh, another first down. So he looked really, really good uh, in that regard. And so, you know, I, I think that um, Joe Milton gets an A. Running backs, you get an A as well. I mentioned Dylan Sampson. I mentioned Jalen Wright. I talked about Jabari Small. Um, that offensive line blocked for him. 230, 258 yards against a defense that was giving up on average 95 yards on the ground, you get an A. Tight ends, you were not targeted one time in this football game, which is strange because the tight ends have caught a touchdown pass in five of seven games this year. Not even got one target, not one target in this football game, but when you have a big day running the football, it means Jacob Warren and McAllen Castles, Hunter Salmon got in there as well for like two or three plays. They blocked well. And so the tight ends will get a B. Wide receivers get an A. Not a whole lot to complain about. I mean, sure, were they are they going to get an A at 100% on Kelsey Pope's um, uh, grade sheet? Probably not. But on mine, you get an A. There's not much to complain about. And then offensive line, you allow two sacks. Okay, you penalize. Uh, you had a snap infraction from Cooper Mays. You had a holding call on John Campbell. You had a false start on... Um, on Javante Sprague, and so he had a couple penalties as well, but I'm not going to penalize you too much for that, no pun intended, because again, the offense rolled, and you blocked for 250 yards or whatever, so uh, offensive line gets a B plus. Job well done. Now let's move to defense. You know, really, again, you just got to get some pressure, and there was a couple of times you got pressure and you were getting held, and, and that's that's football, and that's tough. I get it, but it's frustrating. Uh, but the defensive line, the defensive line did not make a habit of getting back there and making things difficult for Devin Leary. Uh, so the defensive line, the grades there. Um, and, but again, though, you got to you got to remember the caveat. People want to get mad at Tim Banks, but Tim Banks and this defense made Kentucky completely one dimensional. So my grades will reflect that. Very bad against the pass. Very bad against the you know pass rush. But they were so good against the run. So defensive line gets a C minus. Linebackers get a C. Um, I didn't think Aaron Beasley played particularly well. Um, some missed tackles there as well. Another penalty for uh, disconcerting signals for Elijah Herring. He's got to clean that up. I don't know how. Don't clap at all. You know, right? If you're trying to get somebody's attention, yell, yell them, yell at them by name. 
Uh, defensive backs, you're going to get a, uh, a D. I thought you were slow in man coverage. I thought you were super slow in zone to get over and cover your man. Um, you know, a lot of that, again, is tied into the front, and I get it, but uh, I did not think the defensive backs had a good day. And Plus, there were some missed tackles back there as well. Special teams gets an A. Josh Turberville, eight kickoffs, seven touchbacks. Jackson Ross, two punts. You're averaging 40 yards a punt. And then, of course, Charles Campbell, um, four for four in kicking field goals, and each one was so important. Special teams gets an A. And then coaching. Coaching gets a B+. Plus. Um, didn't, didn't have any bad decisions on fourth down. You went ahead and got points no matter what instead of taking a shot. I would like to see a shot there, but you got the points, and that was huge in a game like that. Um, I thought Josh Heupel, there was a sequence there in the last the last drive uh, you know, where Tennessee had it where uh, he was hurrying them up to, to snap the football with like 15, 16 left on the playcock in order to force a burn timeout before the two minutes were up. Um, you know, because again, even if it's out of bounds, that thing's going to roll, and so it's going to force Kentucky to call a timeout, and it happened. I thought that was a really heads-up veteran uh, move by Josh Heupel. And um, yeah, I just, I, I thought this was a pretty decent coaching game. So uh, coaching is going to get a B plus for me. No matter what though, Tennessee scored more than Kentucky. Tennessee is six and two and Tennessee is now three and two in Southeastern conference play homecoming against UConn this weekend. Tennessee will be seven and two before heading back out on the road to Missouri. And we'll preview this UConn matchup and continue to look back at Tennessee's win over Kentucky all week long right here on Lockdown Balls. Don't forget, get in your Twitter Tuesday questions, comments, concerns, questions, whatever you have, at underscore Kaner, at Lockdown Balls, and in the comment section here on this YouTube video. Can't thank you enough. Congrats on the win. Have a blessed week. Let's get this Monday, everybody. This is Lockdown Balls.